Sleepy Hollow is a place like no other. A place where the forces of good and evil collide for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to protect us all. But will they prevail? Armed with keen insights and the ability to see into dark realms. Well, maybe. Barb and Steve help decipher The Witness Prophecies, a fan podcast dedicated to Sleepy Hollow on Fox. Welcome back, sleepyheads. This is episode 32 of The Witness Prophecies. I'm Steve, and never underestimate the power of a natural bond. And I'm Barb, and I'm wondering if anyone is up for a little wilderness survival training. Today, we will be discussing the 14th Sleepy Hollow episode of Season 3 entitled Into the Wild, which was written by Albert Kim and directed by Paul Edwards. And this was a very interesting episode, don't you think, Steve? It absolutely was. I really enjoyed it because we got to see Abby and Sophie bonding there wasn't enough crane. Oh, you know what? I completely agree with you. And I think the Twitter lit up with the same type of thing. But we'll have plenty of that to talk about. And we also got some very interesting reveals in this yes, episode. Yes, we did. Yeah. All right. How about a recap, Barb? Uh, let me fire that right up, Steve. We open with Abby and Jenny Mills at a rock climbing gym, and we quickly learn that Abby has confided to her sister about the rune symbol and Danny finally opening up to her family and friends. Pandora has recovered another piece of her box to summon evil creatures and give the Hidden One his power, and also to restore hers. The Hidden One tells her she is selfish, and Pandora is clearly angry. Jenny and Joe discover that a mysterious artifact is going to be auctioned and decide to pursue it. At the auction, Jenny and Joe realize that the artifact is part of Pandora's box, and that they need to get it. The price quickly increases, and Joe bids $1 million, winning the prize. He touches the case holding the box fragment and flashes into the Wendigo for a brief moment. It's an FBI survival training weekend, and Abby and Sophie Foster have been teamed together. But their third team member is sick, so Danny Reynolds will join them. Sophie tells Abby how becoming involved with Team Witness has impacted her and talks about her parents and her feeling that this encounter with the supernatural is helping her. Abby says her encounters have brought pain to her family. Danny and their wilderness leader, Robbie Malone, find an open well, and when Malone takes a picture, something awakens below. They hurry to catch up with Abby and Sophie, and Abby tells Danny she wants to clear the air on a few matters with him. Malone is attacked by the verse lender in the woods a maggot worm-appearing creature, and Abby and Sophie fight it off. When Danny joins them, Sophie tells him a coyote attacked Malone. Sophie finds the pictures of the creature on Malone's phone, and the Dutch writing around the well help them understand that they have a 400-year-old Dutch monster, one who devours, on the loose. Abby says they can't tell Danny and sends Sophie and Danny ahead with Malone. The monster attacks Abby, and Sophie shows up to save her. Abby realizes that the creature can regenerate itself and may be impossible to kill. They all go to an abandoned cabin, and Danny goes to get help for Malone. Sophie finds a journal in the cabin, which tells the story of the Verslinder and how its victims rise again from the dead. They realize they must kill the monster to save Malone, who is turning into a monster himself. 
Abby makes a potion from plants and roots, an antibiotic cream, which should destroy the creature. Crane has been trying to find out more about the rune symbol and has determined he needs an expert, a professor in Rochester, New York, who specializes in arcane materials. The professor shows Crane that the rune symbol is actually two pieces that bond to each other, just as the tablet was split into two pieces. He puts the symbol pieces into the tablet and suddenly sees Abby, realizing she is in danger and needs his help. One of the losing bidders, Hans, confronts Jenny and Joe at gunpoint, tells them to give him the artifact, and says he has a motivated buyer. Pandora arrives, Hans shoots her, and Pandora Darth Vader's him as Jenny and Joe escape. Pandora attacks Jenny in the same fashion, and as Joe grabs the artifact to give to her, he begins to transform into the Wendigo. Pandora tells him he is a creature of darkness, and he slashes her. Pandora leaves, Jenny calms him down, and he becomes human again. Jenny hides the symbol from Joe and tries to reassure him that he is not a monster. He is the person she trusts. Abby and Sophie hunt the monster in the forest, attacking it with an antibiotic potion-tipped spear. Crane arrives just in time to shoot the creature so that they can stab it again, and it disintegrates. Abby realizes that the symbol is not evil, but a powerful tool for their cause. Abby talks to Danny, attempting to clear the air, but what is she actually telling him? The Hidden One is angry that Pandora has been hurt and says that she has failed, allowed the mortals to get the better of her, and that he will kill the witnesses. Pandora looks in her koi pond and sees the rune symbol and looks concerned. As well she should be. Yes. Because I have a feeling she knows that that thing is powerful. Good for her. Yes, I believe so. So, Steve, before we get into a wonderful discussion about this great episode, do you have a little bit of news for us today? I certainly do. Let's go back to episode 11, Kindred Spirits, the Live Plus 7. We tied for ninth in 18 to 49 percentage gain, increasing 86%. And we tied for 22nd in percentage viewers gained, increasing by 51%. Very nice. Yes. Episode 13, Dark Mirror. Our final numbers were 2.96 million with a 0.7 in 18 to 49, which was down a little bit from the preliminary numbers. But the Live Plus 3 numbers, we tied for 24th in 18 to 49 total gain increasing from the 0.7 to 1.2. Very and this nice. Is the first time that we've uh, actually seen Sleepy Hollow listed in the Live Plus 3 for this season. So that is definitely good news. That is great news. And for this episode, Into the Wild, our preliminary numbers were 2.97 million viewers with a 0.8 rating in adults 18 to 49. Again, we've got that consistency, so that's just a very nice sign. Yes, it is. So, Steve, how did you rate the episode this week? I gave this episode nine invaluable lessons. Oh, very nice. (laughs) And I marked it down just a little bit because I need my Abby and I need my Crane. I need them both. I put it at 8.5 high-priced auction bids. Yeah, just a little bit. Joe, honey, if you've got an extra million, hey, let me give you my name, my phone number, my bank account. Oh, goodness. All right, Steve. So we had some evil doings going on this week. Oh, we certainly did. 
And once again, we see the rift growing between Pandora and the Hidden One. She's got flashy yellow eyes now when she gets mad, doesn't she? Yeah. The snake eyes have returned. Burn, baby, burn. Because, of course, she has to mention getting her box put together, and that seems to upset the Hidden One. He's not real happy about her constant whining about her powers, even though he's almost, as he said, the dregs of the power that he has consumed, and he hungers again. Well, you know, when he said to her, do not mar this moment with your selfish needs, and I thought, oh my goodness, but you know what? She is getting kind of whiny. Just a little. They're a perfect pair. Now, we do get introduced to our monster of the week, and when we see it, first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, it's Treville in a mobile form. You know what? It did look like a lot of roots, didn't it, at first? Yes, it did. I got to give credit to Corey Castellano and his team because, wow, that was a great, gross monster. Oh, absolutely was. And it was fast. Uh Uh-huh. That was the one thing I said, well, it's maybe not Treville because it sure uh, knew how to move when it needed to. Yeah. (laughs) Well, of course, when we start talking about Abby, we got to discuss some things about her and her abilities. Oh, yeah. And of course, Pandora later on discovers that Joe and Jenny have gotten another piece of her box, and she is not happy about it because her guy Hans failed to procure that piece. Well, you and I might have a little disagreement over Hans, who he's really working for. We'll have to talk about that later. Okay. And she's had enough of the meddling, and so she goes in and, like you said, Darth Vader's Hans. Now, fortunately, Joe and Jenny escape, so she has to stop her chokehold on uh, Hans, or otherwise he would have been gone. So I guess we could see him again. Yeah, we might, and we might not. Yeah, we could, though. Yeah, and we actually see Pandora get hurt for the very first time. Time. Poor baby. Yes. As Wendy Joe scratches her. <laughs> and of course, she uses this to her advantage as she tries to convince the hidden one to give her all her power back. But that doesn't go as well as she was hoping, as he turns it quite a- around quite a bit, telling her that she has completely failed. The humans have completely mess things up for them, and he's going to have to go take care of it. You know, he's kind of forgetting that she brought him back from the catacombs. uh, Yes. In great. Uh, But, you know, but he's so full of himself. Well, you can't handle it. I'm going to go take care of it, right? Like, Mm la-di-da. He needs to have a little chitty chat with Joe about how you really work with the women here. Otherwise, you're in the doghouse. Absolutely. Now, of course, the monster was... Absolutely fantastic. It definitely was one of those monsters that was spreading its uh, seed around, shall we say. (laughs) Okay, seeing all those live maggoty, wormy things that they must have used during filming, and I'm just thinking this is so gross. And of course, it comes on at 7 o'clock my time, right? So I was sitting there with my dinner, and I'm like looking down at my dinner like, um, 
No, because it had to be angel hair pasta, right? So it's right. Just, no, no, we're not eating right now. But uh, but they made that so incredibly just grotesque and realistic. And when its arm grew back, yes. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, poor Abby was going. Oh man, not again. But you're right. That was once very strong monster. Yes, but it strong. definitely had a weakness because it definitely didn't like to go after two at once. It wanted just one. No, and that was darn lucky for the two of them. Yes, it was. Although at the end, when Crane showed up, it was going after both of them at that point in time. Yes, it was. Now, if it, it probably would have run again once they kind of would be able to beat it down a little bit. As soon as it thought it was not in peril but not going to win, it got out of there. So it definitely wasn't completely an ignorant monster. No. It knew when it was outnumbered. No, but it came up from that hatch out of the ground. Oh, wait, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at what Ranger Rob, looking down through that hole, and I'm thinking, can anyone say lost? Right. (laughs) Let's stand there in the ground. Don't be messing with it. (laughs) Why would you take a picture of a dark hole? Oh, because he wanted to have all the writing on it and show everyone where it was. Right. But, yeah. But in the hole, that's not going to show you a lot about of the surrounding area. No. That's all right. He woke up the sleeping beast. The verse lender, which was interesting yes. that we threw a little Dutch in there this week. Yes, it was. Yeah. I enjoyed it being a Dutch myth, I guess. Now, what did you think that when he had Abby down on the ground and those, I mean, it looked like maggoty worms were coming out of his mouth. Right. That was pretty gross, wasn't it? Oh, it absolutely was. I think we've seen that a couple places before, haven't we? Yes, we have. Care to mention any of them? Orphan Black, uh-huh. uh, Fringe, yep. X-Files. Yeah. There's something just so unappealing about thinking that some gross reptilian bug, something like that, is going to drop into your mouth, into your throat from some grotesque creature. I, that's just so, that's an ew moment. Yes, it is. It really is. All right. How about some team witness, Barb? Yeah, well, there were a few you moments for uh, Mr. Joe this week, I'm afraid. Oh, yes. Yeah. But first, when we started with Jenny, and she, here she taken Abby rock climbing, you know, as some therapy for her to try and help her have a good time in the midst of all of the things that she's trying to do to forget about her bad time in the catacomb, her post-traumatic stress disorder. And right away, it became very clear that Abby has opened up, and she's told Jenny about Danny saying that he loved her, and she's told Jenny all about the symbol, and you can see that it's this good, solid, sisterly relationship, but even more important is that Abby's talking about this now, instead of keeping it inside. And yes, I think that was very important. Extremely important, because that means that she's on the road to truly healing and dealing with it. And I know last week we said we weren't 100% sure if she was really going to do that or not with Crane. We were kind of left a little uncertain there, but this was a very good sign. Now, when Jenny and Joe are together, Jenny tells him again. So she brings up the trailer again, and I'm thinking, okay, Jenny, he got your trailer back, hon. Let it go. Don't be ragging on him. He's a good boyfriend. He said he was sorry. She wasn't going to let that go. 
No, she wasn't. She wants to make sure he absolutely knows positively without a doubt, do not touch her stuff. (laughs) But then he turned around, and and this is one of the things I really like about Joe. He's just got this open and caringness about him. And he says to her, hey, listen, everything we do is in your world. Right. It's the artifacts. It's the chasing of the monsters. This is all in your world. And he just wanted to be able to, as he said, steer the boat. He just wanted to be in charge. He wanted to be a guy. Yes. You know, and it's funny because Jenny had just told Abby, you know, he, sometimes he's just like a guy, right? Oh, yeah. Well, he wanted to be a guy. Let him be a guy. It doesn't mean he has to buy you a trailer, but let him be a guy. Let him take yes. care of you periodically. <laughs> it's okay. So I felt a little bad for Joe. Especially after what he does later. Yeah, I know. Really. <laughs> oh. Plopping down a million bucks so that they can get their hands on that very important artifact, and he did that for her? Wow. Again, a million bucks? Wow. Yeah. So exactly how much, how much blood money did he get? Or, you know, oh. as he called it, blood money, artifact money, monster money? I don't know. I don't. It's hard to believe that Sheriff Corbin could have that kind of money stashed on a sheriff's salary. But remember... There was all that money, because this is something Nevins had said, that there was right. all this money in the Swiss bank account, right? Right. And didn't he even say something to the effect that his share of the money was in there as well? He sure did. So maybe that's where it came from, and maybe they had a lot. Remember that gold bullion? Maybe they really got it after all. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, apparently so. Wow. But I think what was incredibly frightening and what was completely unexpected was when Joe touched the box that was containing the fragment of Pandora's box, and he begins to transform into the Wendigo. Right. It reacted to him. Exactly. And, and we, then, yeah, then he trans- starts to transform. It's like, what? I know. And I'm like, what on earth is going on? And Jenny didn't see that. No, first, she didn't. No. She didn't see it until the second time when Pandora was trying to do the Darth Vader on Jenny. And so when Hans, the guy who lost at $200,000 bid, (laughs) before Joe went and took it to a million, I'm like, are you out of your mind? Go to 300,000, go to half a million. Don't, what if he had upbid you? Well, I guess. Really? I'm like, oh my goodness. Only bid what you can afford, but I guess you can afford it. And so here's why Hans showed up and then Pandora confronted you on Jenny. And then Hans shot at Pandora. Right. Which I'm thinking, if he was getting it for her, and again, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more in some theories, if he was working for her, why on earth would he shoot at her? I didn't want to die. <laughs> but she didn't truly Darth Vader him until he shot her. I mean, she threw him across the room like, get out of my way, I'm going for my box, it's all about True. my box. But she right. didn't Darth Vader him until he tried to shoot her. So I'm not 100% certain that Hans was working for our girl Pandora. You may absolutely be right there. But then when they got away and they're out in this warehouse-looking place and Pandora finds them again, and then she tries to Darth Vader Jenny, well, Joe's given up the artifact because obviously Jenny is far more important than any artifact. And as soon as he touches it, he really starts to transform. He gets his spiky nails out. He's on his way to transforming. And 
what was horrible is he's like, what's happening to me in Pandora is this is the true you. You're evil. And I'm thinking, witch on a broomstick, which of course is not really the word I was thinking of. (laughs) Yeah, Joe didn't need to hear that. That's for sure. No, and it's so clear that he is really worried that he is a monster and that this is going to impact their relationship because he's going to think he's a danger to Jenny. Absolutely would. Sure. This uncontrolled thing, I mean, they thought this was fixed, and it's not. So we'll talk about that a little bit later in some theories, too, because I'm really concerned about Joe here. And I believe you have every right to be. Oh, my. Don't confirm it, Steve. That's just going to make me feel worse. All right, so we didn't get enough crane this weekend. We know we didn't get enough crane. No, we sure didn't. But we do find out Abby set him up with the Netflix account. Now, why on earth do you think they would write that line in there? Just for grants, or are they trying to tell us that season four is going to be on Netflix? Maybe they're talking about it, maybe? Oh, I don't know. Hey, look, you know what? As long as we get it, I don't care where it is. Exactly. Yeah. But that was interesting. He's watching way too much TV. (laughs) Yes, I believe he is. He needs to get his residency and get a real job. Yeah, he does. Now, of course, he's been studying on the rune as much as he can. And apparently he's uh, done quite a bit of testing on it because we see all of these vials of stuff and when Abby comes in to see how he's progressing, she grabs one of them and he about has a coronary because inside of that vial was something that just wasn't good. A potential blue fire? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But how on earth did he know about the two events that he brought up? Yes. Because they were after his time. So well, he, after his time. so He's watching too much TV. <laughs> yes. He's a very well-educated he's, uh, man. Ben watched the History Channel for um, every episode. He must be. <laughs> that or the Weather Channel, you know, the historical weather events. <laughs> but he has also discovered that there is a professor in Rochester who is an arcane materials expert and has set up a meeting. Unfortunately, this conflicts with Abby's weekend of survival training But Abby convinces him to not postpone the meeting because they do need to get to the bottom of the room. And she's right, because she still thinks it's evil. Yes. Well, and Crane thinks it is, too. Yes, he does. And it's so good. We get a scene with him in Rochester in the professor's lab and his childlike fascination with the floating object was just absolutely fantastic oh he was just like a little kid yes he was, he was. completely his eyes were big he was in awe he was trying to play with it and then it kind of fell and he's like oh busted you know putting his hands down you know and that <laughs> was hysterical it's been a long time since we've seen him fascinated with a new toy right yes because he's been, yes he's technology become, of any sort yes yeah, so this was this was delightful i absolutely agree that was so great to see that and then of course we get hit with as he's telling crane that he's never seen anything like it before and it's generating some power and crane goes well what kind of power and then he just splits him apart and shows him that there are a pair and you go huh 
That was shocking. Yes. And then he was able to do it fairly easily. You know, I guess, yeah, once you know the trick, you can just pop them apart like they did with the tablet. Find the hidden button and push it and poof. Yes. (laughs) And then that's when Crane, of course, gets the idea that, oh, well, if there's two of these, let me put them on the tablets and see what happens. And you go, you didn't want to wait until you got back to the archives to do that, Crane? Like a little kid. Yes, once again. Let me try and play with it. And I will confess, I had forgotten all about the tablets from the beginning of the season. Right. And then when he had them and he pulled them apart, and I'm like, oh, you knew as soon as he pulled them apart that there was going to be an indentation in them somewhere for that rune. Yes, there had to be. Absolutely. And there it was. And he drops them down and he sees Abby fighting with the Verslander and you go, oh, so it isn't something evil. It did save Abby and it's going to save her again. Yeah, and I think one of the most remarkable things is when he tells her later on that it wasn't that he just saw her, it was if he was there with her. Right. He felt her presence in the room. Yes. So now they have a communication device. Or even more than that, maybe. Yes, I think so. But he didn't know where she was. No, but besides the tablets, he also brought Blatsky's demon map which leads him right to her. I know. Now, I could swear that we've seen the Blavatsky map previously. Yes. That, that they opened it up because they saw that the monsters were converging on Sleepy Hollow. Yes. So why did they have to steal it again? What did they do? Lose it or have conscience and give it back to whomever they borrowed the first one from? No, I don't think so. I just think he decided to take it with him on this trip just in case. Oh, okay. All right. Like with the tablets. I mean, that would be... the. Yeah, I could see him maybe taking the map with him, but taking the tablets with him was like, huh? Why would you bring the tablets with you? That Well, because he knew, I think, that that was also an arcane material, right? It was something that was right. old, that came from the family estate. So he probably assumed or figured out that, hey, listen, as long as I'm here, why not have him look at a couple of different things that I have? And it worked. Yes, that's all that mattered, really. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> but like we said earlier, there was definitely not enough crane in this episode. I have a feeling that will be rectified next week. Yes, I believe that is going to be the case. Yeah. But All right, sh- what about our abs? I was going to say, we certainly had a whole lot of Abby. I mean, this was very Abby-centric, I thought, Yes, this week. absolutely was. Yeah, because one of the first things that we saw, of course, here she's at the rock climbing gym. She is on her game, even when an attractive male comes by to nod, nod, wink, wink, help her out. (laughs) So she she shows him her spidey skills, and that basically she is a tough woman. Now let's talk about those spidey skills just for a bit. (laughs) Okay. Now, on the first trip up with Jenny, you almost see her kind of panic there for a minute. And she flashes back. Mm -hmm. And then out of nowhere, she goes, whoosh. And you go, huh. And she kind of explains it off to Jenny as something she learned while she was in the catacombs. Do you think she... And I... Yeah, she might have... 
absorb some power still, some residual yeah, there is providence. something else going on here because it really, once she goes up the more difficult one, I mean, that was more than just scurrying up. She jumped. It looked like it a little bit, didn't it? About 15 feet would be my guess. So let's think about this. She had that shard or the eye of providence or whatever we would like to call it. She was holding that power. And if the Hidden One and Pandora have power, there probably is a very good chance that Abby has power, too. Some power. Yes. Because we also see it later on in her dealing with the monster. You're not going to that's what just fascinated me, was the way she was able to calm herself and a fraction of a second before it attacked, she knew it was there. And was able to defend herself. Well, I thought both times she could hear its heartbeat. And that's how she knew and she turned. So does she have super hearing skills now too? Because you could hear the thump, 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 thump. And then she just, boom, she seemed right. to turn. At least that was the impression I had. Yeah. So our abs is definitely uh, gaining some skills she did not have prior to the catacombs. Maybe we need to get her a koi pun and then she can see what the hidden one and, and uh, Pandora are up to. <laughs> Again, we already talked about the fact now she's being truthful with her peeps, which is wonderful. And that's so great. Although it was interesting because when Crane told her he was going to go ahead and take the rune to show the professor, the way that she looked at it, it was almost like this longing gaze that it still had a hold on her some way, right? Yes. And we know she's still having flashbacks, which, of course, now we have this new aha information at the end of the episode that this is really a good thing. So if it has a hold on her, that's okay. It's good. <laughs> Apparently. But you're right. Maybe, and, and maybe there's superhuman powers within the rune, too, because let's face it, when Crane put the two pieces in his stone and he had his hands on both of them, that's when he could suddenly see her, sense her as if he was in the room with her. Right. So maybe they're both imbued with some powers as a result of the artifacts that they have received. Sounds like the best explanation so far, that's for sure. But it's going to be awesome to see what kind of powers they actually do develop. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And what happens? Will they ultimately give up those powers? Will Will the powers weaken over time if they use them? Again, I don't even think they're really aware of it. And if, and again, we're just speculating, maybe it's, maybe the powers are in, are in the artifacts themselves for Crane. And when he touches them, that's how he got it. And maybe for Abby, because of the experience she had, maybe she actually has absorbed some of the powers into her from the Eye of Providence. So maybe they're not exactly equal right now on the power grid. Well, this will be interesting to watch. Yes, it will be very interesting to see how this develops over the last part of the season. Mm -hmm. Now, we spent a lot of time with both Abby and Sophie working together. And again, you know, I know... A lot of people were upset that it wasn't Abby and Crane. However, we have not seen Abby and Sophie really together, together before this and bonding. We saw Sophie with, with Joe and Jenny while Abby was still missing. And I think that perhaps the writers were giving us a chance to watch the two of them bond together for a common cause. Because as we get down to the last four episodes of this season, I think that we really have to have our team witness all of them together, working together, pulling together to defeat whatever's going to happen. 
And so I have a feeling that the writers probably gave us this time with Sophie and Abby, one, to get them to bond, but then two, Sophie views all these supernatural experiences and being drawn into this in a very positive light, because then she believes that perhaps someday she'll find out what happened to her parents. Right. Abby does not view it that way. Not at all. (laughs) No, but by the end of the episode... She was opening up to that viewpoint, I think especially when she saw that this rune symbol was actually something that was good, and then she was saying, yes, Crane is in my life because of this, and now I get to know you, Sophie, because of this. And so there are good things out of where I am today as a witness. It is not all bad. Correct. And you can understand her point of view because the first two seasons, she lost a whole lot of people close to her. Well, even before that, she lost her mother. Right. Her sister was in a mental institution. So she, her father was gone. She had lost a lot from the very first time that she saw a demon. Yes. So, yeah. And then she loses August Corbin. Oh, my goodness. Her mentor, her friend, the very first episode of the very first season. I mean, she's just lost. She lost so much. But I also think perhaps she's looking at this And she's looking at her entire situation, and she's beginning to understand, really, what does it mean to be a witness? And how do I still have enjoyment out of this incredible responsibility that has been put on my shoulders? Right. As well as do this and become trusting of all the people, of these people around me. And how do I open myself up for for love, for pain, for all the emotion, instead of kind of keeping it to myself? And I think this is an important emotional step for Abby. I definitely agree with you on that point. Although she didn't need to talk to Danny and tell him at the end that she didn't think of them in the past tense and never would. And I'm sure all the shippers were going, why did you just say? Why did you say that? Crane, Crane, your bond. Remember the bond? It's a bond. Hello? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I heard that and I said, I'm going to watch the end and then I'm going to rewind that because did I just hear what I thought I just heard? Mm Mm-hmm. What, 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 what? And we don't know if she was, in what terms she was actually speaking on. No, I spent way too much time trying to dissect that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you really mean? Are you still telling him that you have feelings for him? Or because you just said in the sentence before that, that you weren't sure because of your situation, which we know it, it means witness and he doesn't, that you may never have a true loving family relationship. At least that's what you're saying in the first sentence. And in the second sentence, you're telling him that you've, you don't think of what they had in the past tense. Really? Mm. Girl, girl, did you get knocked in the head on the, on your wilderness adventure or what? Well, you can look at it as she never really thought of Danny in the way that he did. She always just considered him a very good friend. You don't and have then a real- it would make sense, her saying what she said about it not being in the past. You don't have a relationship in a little beach house <laughs> on, out next to the ocean with your friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't know where her, what her exact headspace was at that time. Oh, I don't know either. Oh. <laughs> and we still don't know now either. No, we don't. But it's causing us, some of us, great consternation, I believe. All right, but one of the- but Danny was such a jerk to her the whole episode. Oh, he was. He really you know, was. She tries to say, "Yeah, I'm glad you're on our team, so we can kind of 
talk about things, and he didn't want to have hear anything about that. Yeah, but he also made the comment that maybe he really hadn't wanted to bring her back to the team either. Ooh, right. Ooh, ooh. Yes, and he probably didn't. Oh, I don't think he did either. It had to have been Walters that told him, you will let her come back. Well, and probably what's getting to him is that he really cared about her. He opened up and told her that he did. She was extremely non-reactive to it. Like, oh, right. really? You never said that before. Well, or, I didn't think I mm-hmm. had to, right? And then on top of that, then she's gone. She doesn't trust him to tell him anything. And so he's thinking, wow, I've just made a complete you-know-what out of myself. Exactly. And that's how he acted. What? He actually did, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Oops, hadn't thought about that. He was butthurt and acted like it. Yeah, he did. You're right. Oh, I'm so glad that we have the male point of view here. This is great. (laughs) But one thing that Abby did display out there in the wild was how she could make potions from the plants and the roots and roots. Oh, that was excellent. I know. So she's concocting up this ointment, this antibiotic Antibiotic, antibiotic potion with which to kill this uh, maggoty, gross... (laughs) verse lender that we have out here. And I'm thinking, Grace Dixon, it's in the DNA. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great to see that, yes, she had done some studying in the archives and is learning quite a bit. And she, every episode, she seems to come up with something that, that proves that, yes, she's taking full advantage of the archives just like Crane is. Yeah, and you know, we know she's smart. I mean, she's brilliant. The woman is brilliant. Yes. But the versatility, I mean, because you can be brilliant and not necessarily translate it into practical a practical guide for survival. Right. But, but she does. And I think a lot of that, I think it's in her DNA. I mean, certainly Grace Dixon, for what, from what we have seen of her in the past, was this incredibly smart woman who was very practical and who could do a lot of neat stuff. And, yes, I, she did. and I think that Abby is a chip off the old block. Yes. And that's going to come in handy, I believe. I think so, too. And that and just all the good girl power fights. Abby right. and Sophie just were fantastic. It must have been incredible to choreograph all those fight scenes. Oh, yes. But they were good. Yes, Sophie did save Abby a couple of times. Yes, she did. And she really had her back. And I think that really, again, helped develop their relationship, which it was just wonderful. We saw a lot of growth, I think, in Abby's character during this episode. And I think that it's important for what she may need to do in the future. Right. Now, it was really fascinating when he has her down and he's about to put his maggots in her, down her throat. Gross. Yeah, she's just screaming at first. And then you see her attitude change, and you go, what are you going to do, Abigail Mills? Because she kind of got this, oh, I am so done with you, look on her face. And I, it, it was great that Sophie shows up to knock her off, but, oh, I would have loved to have seen what would have happened if she didn't show up. She's got a whole lot of grit and a whole lot of determination, and we may have Oh, seen, yeah. Maybe I, we I think we would have saw the power really come out of her. Yeah, I thought that's where you were going with that. Yeah, I think <laughs> we may have. 
So we may have just missed that. Yes, because she, the determination in her face was like, you aren't getting away with this. No, no, I'm not falling to any of you beasties. <laughs> yep. So I cannot wait to see where this ends up taking us. I think so. I can't wait either. But we'll have to, at least for a few more days. Yes. Now the Sumerian tablet and rune symbol, two halves of a whole. They really were. So we've got the tablet that's been split in half and united. The yes. rune symbol, split in half, united. The third one, gotta be Crane and Abby. Yes. Two halves of a whole. And Into the Wild, because when with the name of the episode, I was saying, well, okay, I guess that could be Survival Weekend. But it could also be coming, be, you know, Joe becoming a wild creature again. Pandora getting that wild look in her eyes <laughs> since she's sort of mad at hubby. Joe was kind of wildly bidding on that piece of Pandora's box, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, he was. And then I think Abby kind of taking baby steps into the wild of her emotions. Yes, yeah, she got some, some growing done in this episode, thanks to Sophie. Yes, she did. And, thanks and I to think Crane. those are some important things that she realized and was shown by uh, Sophie. So that's definitely positive stuff. Right. And Crane and Abby, they still don't know what Pandora and the Hidden One are up to, as they said. Not entirely. They don't know their plan. And they're headed off to the wild to discover what they're doing. So speaking of Pandora and the Hidden One, when Pandora said that line to Joe and Jenny, my power is my own, and no one will ever take it away from me again. All you need to know. <laughs> Pandora is going to be all about Pandora. She liked being powerful, and yes, she, she... Want, she wants it back. Yes. So he's going to go after the witnesses. And do we even think it's a possibility, even a possibility that Pandora might work with them to get her box back? And to thwart her hubby? I don't know. I definitely can see her trying to take advantage of him in a weakened state. Now, is it going to be teaming up with the team witnesses to do that? Mm, I don't think so. I don't know what she would do. Now, I don't think that she would kill hubby. But do you think she'd take him and toss him back into the catacombs? Absolutely. Yeah, I think she would at this point, too. But of course, if it was the runes that was able to do that originally, then yeah, maybe she might turn to Team Witness to try to get them to do the same thing again. Well, and you know, when she looked in her koi pond and she saw that rune symbol, she did look a bit unnerved at the end of the episode. Yes, that they had that. And so maybe she has seen that before because, again, We've been told, or it has been alluded to us, that Abby and Crane are not the first witnesses. So maybe yes. old Pandora witnessed the other witnesses, their ancestors, and so she knows the power of this thing. Well, maybe her little wheels will turn. But you know what? She may still have a, a smidgen of hope that if she, if she can get her power and Hubby has his power, then they can all live happily ever after. She may not have quite given up on, on him yet. Right. Against mere mortals. Yes, but she's still not the priority in the hidden one's life. <laughs> and he just told her that she failed. 
what an ingrate. Uh-huh. An ingrate. He, sorry. He's an ingrate. He's a jerk. <laughs> he's whatever. All right. I had to say that at least once this week. All right. Poor Joe. Yes, that is heartbreaking to see how far he's come since that originally occurred to him and to see that it's actually possible to have it happen again. Yeah. Okay. So I had to go back. I had um, my own personal history lesson of Sleepy Hollow. And it was season two, episode six. Yes. And the abyss gazes back. And that is when our Joe became the Wendigo. And that was because Jeremy Henry had cast a spell on him using what was the Pied Piper's crushed up bones or whatever to yes. make kind of an anth- anthrax type threat against uh, Joe. And Crane had saved him by using that incantation. Right. Because Joe had, Joe transformed two times fully. Yes. And they said at the time that if he transformed for that third time fully, that he would become a monster forever. Right. He, there was no coming back from it. So did the j- clock just reset now or what? Did the inca- Why did the incantation no longer work? I believe that it was actually the evil of the Pandora's box that just brought it out. I don't think the incanda- the, you know, the spell that Crane cast didn't eliminate it from him. It just kind of kept him from transforming that last time unless something stronger occurred. And I believe that was what happened was Pandora, the evil in Pandora's box was stronger than any incantation that they could have come up with. So uh, speaking of clock resets, since you get to do that the day after we record this. Yes. So now then, does this mean that the clock has reset? He's back to one and he has two times to quote unquote transform safely before he's cursed? Or does this mean that if he goes full transform, because he did not, because he, he only did baby trans, he did two baby transforms during this episode. Right. But does this mean that if he transforms fully, that that will count as a third time and he's doomed? I hope not. I hope this is a clock reset. But- yeah, I hope so too, because you would hate to see him transform just once and he's gone. Yeah, I think that the entire sleepy hollow fandom all the sleepy heads would like go ballistic completely if that were to occur yes they would yeah there's no doubt in my mind that that if that happens there will be a revolution it'll be a, <laughs> it'll be a mass riot it'll be horrible but it's that it's a little frightening so or maybe the rules are different because of pandora's box i don't know yeah it is it was very concerning that she said this is your true nature yeah. So is that something he's going to ha- that he's going to have to live with forever? Because if he does, he'll walk away from Jenny because he'll be scared to death that something will happen and that, and that he would hurt her or that even he would hurt other people because it was blood that brought it out in him before, right? Right. Well, we know there's, there's blood in life. Somebody's always going to cut a finger or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's hope this isn't a bad foreboding for Joe's... Um, Exit of the series. Oh, oh, that would not be. That would also cause a riot. Yes, it would. Now, I, I had to wonder if perhaps the line that Crane used may apply to Joe la- later on as well. 
things we think will hurt us that will actually save us. Yes, that is also a very strong possibility. Because if Joe becomes the Wendigo again, would he, can he possibly then also have supernatural powers that will help them defeat these evil monsters that are converging upon Sleepy Hollow? Yes. But how could he even control it? Which we don't know. Would it be Jenny's love that gets him through that? I don't know. Yeah, that would be interesting to find out because we hadn't seen Pandora touched and he was able to draw blood. That's true. Well, but then again, remember, he ripped, he ripped everything apart yeah, from yeah. her. <laughs> so I don't know. So this one is, is definitely a little bit scary. No, a lot scary. Yes. Because we have not seen the end of this yet. No, I'm afraid not. But that was quite a shock. Okay, we kind of did touch uh, base on Danny not telling or telling Abby that basically it wasn't his decision to bring her back on the team and not so many words, but it was obvious that was what the decision was, was he was, he said no when he got overruled by Walters. Uh Uh-huh, because Walters has been asking about her previously. Yes. And so this is knew her situation and how far she'd come back. Yeah, so this is where I get back to exactly whom was Hans working for. Because I don't think he would have shot Pandora if he was working for her. He probably would have been ticked off that she sent him flying across the floor, but I don't think he would have shot her. So I'm thinking that maybe he was working for FBI Director Jack Walters after all. Uh-huh. And no Atticus? Well, Atticus seemed to be working for both Jack Walters and Pandora, right? Right. But he turned over that information on the nine sacred sites to Jack Walters. Right. Not, Not to Pandora. Pandora. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I don't think we could possibly resolve this with four episodes remaining in the season, do you? Nope. Like we said last episode, I really think Walters and the Nine Sacred Sites is the beginning of the setup for what we're going to see in Season 4. Yeah, and after the episode last night, I am I'm jumping on board your train. Because <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. And so that what that also would sort of seem to indicate is that, again, since I have all this consternation over Abby's comments to Danny... Is it possible that, that he's being set up as a an alternate love interest for season four so that they have some conflict there for Abby and Crane? Oh, I don't know. I hope not, but it's that's a possibility. Sure. So, but anyway, if they are throwing things out there for season four, bring it on. I'm good with it. Just Absolutely. Give us, give us season four. Or <laughs> we will follow as long as you keep up the good work. Absolutely. Now, the tablet in the rune. So, the tablet came from Crane's family, right? Because he found it at his ancestral home. Yes. So, that was clearly passed down through the generations so that he could get it. Now, that rune, they found that particular one in Leeds' laboratory. Right. Which was already in the, the fledgling United States. So, yes, I'm thinking... Yeah, so it was already there. It wasn't in Great Britain or England, as it was called at the time, in Crane's home. 
it was over in the Americas. So I'm thinking maybe Leeds had it because he stole it from Grace Dixon. There you go. And that came down from Abby's family. So that each of the witnesses had something in their past that, was, that went from generation to generation that would be there to aid all their ancestors, past, present, future, in the fight against evil. I like it. I think Crane needs to do a bit more studying on this. I believe he should as well. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because I think there may be more hints and clues in those artifacts. And they think that too. Yes. So, Steve, we didn't have enough Crane this week, so we don't have enough ickyisms. But I think you've got, you captured a couple of good comments out there, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. Of course, when he's looking at the rune and Abby comes in and she grabs a vial, he goes, Oh, no, no, this caused the great fire of Chicago and Krakatoa. (laughs) Both events, both events after his time. (laughs) Yes. Huh? (laughs) That's okay. And as they're talking about Rochester, of course he knows Colonel Rochester. I knew Colonel Rochester, peevish sort. A little surprised they named a city after him. He hardly deserves that honor. And Abby comes back with, you haven't seen Rochester. I, I, I thought, ooh, oh. <laughs> I thought, well, perhaps one of the writers is actually from there and they felt that they could self-dig themselves. I guess. I thought that, that was, was brutal. <laughs> yes, it was. And, of course, when Crane does show up to shoot the monster, he says, well, the answer to this might be self-evident, but how was your survival exercise? Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Now, of course, two of the better lines of the whole episode came from our other characters. And after Abby and Sophie find out that Danny is going to be their third because Rodriguez had to have an emergency appendectomy. No, this isn't going to be awkward at all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she nailed that, didn't she? She sure did. (laughs) I said, oh, you're speaking the truth, Sophie. Yeah. And then we had one other little dig um, after uh, Reynolds has tried to lead them with the map and the compass, but has apparently brought them around in a circle. And Abby makes a comment about it and, sa- and he comes back and, you think you can do better, Davy Crockett? <laughs> and Abby pipes back, I can't do worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was nice to see Abby get her little dig right back at him. It was. Especially after he called her David Crockett. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what I kind of took that as a little bit of a dig towards Crane, but. Uh huh. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How about this week's history lesson, Barb? Well, I could have talked about the Dutch and how they settled in the New York area. But after those painful little digs about Rochester, and considering the fact I know some perfectly marvelous folks from that town, I thought that maybe (laughs) we would talk about the founding of Rochester, New York today. All right. So Nathaniel Rochester was born in Virginia in 1752, and he moved to North Carolina with his family at a young age. He was a delegate to North Carolina's first provincial congress, and he was appointed a major but ultimately resigned due to a physical breakdown. When he recovered, he was appointed a colonel in the militia. So you see, that's where Crane knew him. 
where he was also in charge of an arms factory. He resigned again from his duties and moved to Maryland in 1780. Now, he built up various businesses in the area, and in 1803, he purchased 100 acres of property in New York State along the Genesee River for about $1,750. He moved his family to the area in 1810 and became a businessman and a leading citizen. In 1811, he began to build his own town, laying out streets and plots of land for various uses. He named the area Rochesterville, which was ultimately shortened to Rochester. He died in 1831, and the inscription on his grave, translated from Latin, reads, If you seek his monument, look around you. Rochester is on the southern shore of Lake Ontario in the western portion of the state, and has been known as the gateway to the northeast, Heaven's Outpost. The Seneca tribe of Native Americans lived in the area until about 1797. At the time of the 2010 census, it was the third largest city in New York. It was one of America's first boom towns and originally had many flour mills along the river, which makes sense because you would need the power. By 1838, it was the largest flour-producing city in the United States. In 1847, Frederick Douglass founded the abolitionist newspaper, The North Star in Rochester, and the city was home to Susan B. Anthony. A number of new industries were founded there, including Eastman Kodak and Bausch and Lomb. So, for all the digging about Rochester, I think it sounds like a very nice place. Yes, it does. So, that's a shout out to our fans in New York. Last week it was New Jersey. This week it's New York. Who knows what we'll have next week? Yes. Have to be uh, Pennsylvania. Maybe it will be. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to include two links in our show blog, both Thank You Wikipedia and about Nathaniel Rochester and an article about the city Rochester, New York. Another great history lesson there, Barb. Thank you, Steve. I think actually that was more of a um, a lesson in giving Rochester a little bit more positive press. There you go. So, Steve, feedback this week. Did we get any? Yes, we did. We got some written feedback this time from our bestie, Justina. Hi, Barb and Steve. Yuck, that was a gross monster. Yeah. I am so glad my prediction is at least a little bit true. The symbol necklace helped team witness. It helped Ichabod know Abby needed him. The hidden one is being mean to Pandora. I hope she switches teams and helps teams witness. We can use that extreme amount of power. I give this episode 7 out of 10 doses of penicillin. Have a great week, Justina. Yeah, because last week Justina said that she was hoping that this rune symbol would be, would be more light. As yes. opposed to darkness. darkness. And so, mm-hmm. Yep, so she was she was right on about that, too, and it did yes. help them. She nailed it. Well Very done, Justina. Very nice job. And yeah, we all uh, agree that the hidden one is being mean to Pandora. A jerk. Yes. You just were and, waiting for me to say that, weren't you? Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she's hoping that um, Pandora switches teams and helps our team out, too. So... This will be interesting to see what does Pandora do? How far yes. how far will she go in her irritation with her hubby, the hidden one? Yes. Yeah. Will she cut a deal to get her power 
via team witness if she puts him back in the catacombs. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Interesting possibilities there. Yes. All right. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and the season as we start to wind it down. So please send us your feedback and theories. We want to welcome our new followers on Twitter as well as Facebook. And thanks for all the retweets, favorites, and interaction. This week's shout outs go to Bonnie, Melody, Jenna, Bimini, Ikabibi Girl, and the one and only Lance Gross. Really? Yes. He had tweeted out, and this was actually last week. It wasn't this week, but I forgot to mention it. Shame on me. Uh, he had tweeted out, what's up, Twitter, or something like that. And I replied to it, and he gave me a th- replied back with a three thumbs up. So Awesome. I missed that. That's fantastic. Yes, go check that out. Ooh, I will go check that out. All right, Barb, what's our contact info? Okay, our voicemail number is 304-837-2278, or you can go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback, where you can use the SpeakPipe widget on the side of the page to record audio, or you can typey-typey out your feedback on the form, or you can even record audio feedback on your iPhone or other smartphone device, and you can attach it to an email and send it on to us. Our feedback deadline is Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, which I know doesn't give you a lot of time for, for feedback, but you can also put it on our Witness Prophecies page on Facebook. Or you can contact us at Witness Prof GSM on Twitter, at Salyer Steve, and I'm at Tangier14. All right. We've once again gotten to the point in the podcast that we call Visions of the Future. So, if you don't want to be spoiled on future episodes, run. Run as if the verse lender is coming after you with his maggots and he wants to put them down your throat. Run fast. Yes. And he's pretty quick, so you better put on your flash shoes. Just as they say, run faster than the person behind you. (laughs) Exactly. All right, episode 15, which is going to air March 18th, Incommunicado. The strongest alliances are put to the test on an all-new Sleepy Hollow Friday, March 18th. After a supernatural event takes the witnesses by surprise, both Crane and Abby are forced to work alongside their most hated foes yet. Meanwhile, Jenny and Joe struggle to salvage their relationship as they continue to battle their own internal demons in an all-new incommunicado. Okay, so now I am beginning to think, if they're forced to work alongside their most hated foes yet, yes, it's got to be one or the other. Yes. Or the hidden one. And if, if the hidden one is out to kill them, does that mean it's Pandora, or are we going to get a little twist on that? I'm not sure. I don't know either. It could go either way, because I could see... The hidden one saying, she's got to go. <laughs> she's failed me. She's got to go. Yeah, or if he even thinks that she's trying to cut a deal with him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that relationship could go south very quickly. Right. Now, the internal demons. Sounds like are, the Wendigo, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yes, it does. Or at least the potential, which, like you said earlier, Joe's not going to want to 
expose anybody to that. So I think we'll have some more discussions on that in this episode. Yeah. Hey, did you see in the cast members? Looks like your girl may be back next week. Oh, yes. Betsy Ross. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. Yeah, we missed her. Okay. I know know you just, you enjoy Betsy. Yes, I do. Okay, episode 16, Dawn's Early Light. Crane must tap into painful memories on an all-new Sleepy Hollow. As the hidden one grows stronger, Rutrow, Crane must examine his past with Betsy Ross to find the key to stopping him. Meanwhile, Jenny wonders if she can ever have a relationship with her father, and Abby faces a hard decision as things with Reynolds become more strained. Shippers, yes, in the all-new Dawn's Early Light episode of Sleepy Hollow. Ah, okay, so that's because she's not going to be entirely truthful with him because he still doesn't know about the monsters, apparently. Right. Which is fine with me. Okay. But interesting. So, hmm, hmm. The hidden one getting stronger, that's interesting because that must mean that there is some monster that's come to Sleepy Hollow that's going to help feed him in some way. Yes, or several. Or several. To give him strength, because otherwise I don't know where he's going to get it from unless Pandora gets part of her box backs and decides to share some of it with him, reluctantly. Which is not happening. I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't seem likely. No. If she got her box back and got her powers back, she would probably leave him in a heartbeat. Yep. And this will be fun because Dawn's early light, and this is going to have Francis Scott Key. Key. There we go. Which is perfect. And did you notice who else was going to be in this episode in the guest cast list? Look right above Francis Scott Key. Yeah, Michael O'Keefe as Jack Walters. Uh Uh-huh. So we may see a little bit more of our potentially evil FBI director. Yes. Mm. And we'll have Papa Mills back as well. So we'll see what kind of uh, impact he may have in this last few episodes. Wow. Well, I think we said last time that we believe that there are still some unresolved issues there. And we still don't know if if he's good or bad. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, All right. Episode 17, Delaware. Abby and Crane go on a difficult journey on an all-new Sleepy Hollow Friday, April 1st. With a single day left before the Hidden One regains his complete powers, Abby and Crane must do the unthinkable in a last-ditch effort to save the world. Meanwhile, Jenny, Joe, and Sophie devise a plan to stall as the witnesses work. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you notice that they're playing this on April Fool's Day? Yeah. (laughs) A single day left before the Hidden One gets all his power. Yeah, because that's mean. That's an April, that's a nasty April Fool's Day joke. Yes, it would be. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's this scary. Is, yeah, this is and it makes sense. It's the next to the last episode. So yes, the things have got to heat up heat up pretty quickly. Yeah, and I just noticed that um Daddy Mills is supposed to be in this one as well. Yes. As is George Washington, which is which is interesting because if the title is Delaware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes me think of Washington crossing the Delaware. the Delaware, exactly. Hey, that might, that might be keeping in uh, 
in line with our kind of states thing that we've got going here, right? New Jersey, yeah. New York, Delaware. Delaware. We're going to hit them all soon. Yep, and Betsy Ross is in this episode as well. So. Yes, that will make you happy too. Yes, it will. And then, and then episode 18, for which we don't have any date yet, and we don't have any description, but I'll tell you, I'm beginning to think, because those other three episodes are all running right, right in a row. So this one, it may very likely run on April the 8th, and that would be it for season three, which is so sad. Yes, would be. But this one is supposed to be called Ragnarok. And as I think we've discussed on some prior spoilery um, pieces of our episodes, this comes from North Mythology, and it is a series of future events, including a great battle foretold to ultimately result in the death of a number of major figures. It has the occurrence of various natural disasters and the subsequent submersion of the world in water. Afterward, the world will resurface anew and fertile. The surviving and returning gods will meet, and the world will be repopulated by two human survivors. And this is an important event in Norse canon. So, we shall see. Yes. I'll be looking forward to getting the press release on this. Yes, I cannot wait for that press release. I know. It's, it, it sounds very chilling, especially with hearing what we just heard about Delaware, the next, right. the penultimate episode of season three. All right. If you still have not gone out and gotten your copy of Sleepy Hollow, Creating Heroes, Demons and Monsters, the official making up book by Tara Bennett and Paul Bear- Terry, please do. Because it's it, worth every penny of it. And it has four beautiful color pages of, guess which creature? Kindred. No. but so, Oh, yeah. Well, it has that. Yes. Who turned into a monster today? Oh, yes. The Wendigo. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So yes. you've got to get it just to see, see what Joe looks like in full creature format, which we kind of hope he doesn't go back to that, but we're afraid he's going to. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Please... Review and rate us on iTunes with good ratings It and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us as there are other Sleepy Hollow podcasts out there. To subscribe in iTunes to any GSM podcast, go to goldenspiralmedia.com backslash iTunes. Please tell your friends and hope you're enjoying our podcast. And if you are interested in getting the Sleepy Hollow book, please swing by Golden Spiral spiralmedia.com and use our Amazon links. It doesn't cost you anything and it just kicks a few pennies towards us to help keep our servers up and running. This is Steve and the thing that we think will hurt us may actually save us. And this is Barb signing out and reminding you to pack your antibiotic creams the next time you go camping. See you next week, sleepyheads.